Hello, everybody. Mike Lombardo here. Welcome to Awaken Podcast. Thank you for spreading the word about this show. For those of you who are listening week after week, every Monday, every Thursday, I've had several people reach out to me saying that they're fully caught up. We have over 100 episodes now. People that are listening to every single episode and sharing it with their friends, family, home groups, Bible studies, church members, family members. All of that is amazing. Thank you for supporting this ministry. Thank you for getting the word out. We have a new show every Monday and Thursday streaming on CharismaPodcastNetwork.com. You can also download the Charisma Plus app where there's tons of free content, lots of podcasts, articles, um, amazing things on there to be encouraged by for free. You can also find my podcast on there and you can find it on Awaken Podcast, Apple um I'm sorry, Apple Podcasts, excuse me, Spotify, um, Google Play, Audible, pretty much anywhere that podcast or listen to. If you're tuning into this episode and you weren't aware that we are in a new series entitled First Love Fire, then you should listen to part one and the previous episodes. Part one, I just laid a simple foundation about first love and how we could remain in that place. It does not need to be a honeymoon phase in our life. We could burn with fire and fervency for the Lord all the days of our life. And then in the other episodes, part two, up until this episode, I'm going into hindrances to first love. And then we will break down in later episodes how we could return to that place of first love if we have slipped away from it. And the Lord, he never um, relinquishes his love. He never pulls away. He never hardens his heart towards us. He never draws away from us. We are the ones that harden our hearts. We're the ones that get consumed with other things. We are the ones that entertain ourselves way too much and get caught up in the things of life, the busyness of life. We are the ones that get offended and turn away. We are the ones that you know, do that, but God is always there wooing us, yearning for us, longing for us, drawing us to himself. He is always pursuing every single human heart, the billions and billions of people that are on planet earth. God is wooing every single one of us daily by the beauty and power of his Holy Spirit. And so I am in part seven right now, and I want to talk to you about a hindrance that we have touched on a lot on this show, but I want to dive a little bit deeper into it and hit it from a slightly different angle. Um, A huge hindrance is when we start off by grace through faith, and then we wind up having a works-based relationship with God, completely performance-oriented, where we lack the presence and the grace of God empowering us, and it's more about performance orientation than it is about heart transformation and carrying the presence of God in our daily lives, living in that place of intimacy, which is a grace place where we are undone by the love of God, which empowers us to live holy lives. And, you know, a lot of it comes from bad teachings. We get into a church where there's lots of legalism being preached. It produces fear and it kills or extinguishes first love passion in our lives. We begin to see God as a taskmaster um, and instead of a good, loving father. And so I want to break down a few different ideas or, you know, uh, mentalities and, you know, uh, viewpoints and beliefs that do quench the uh, first love passion in our lives, okay? And so we talked about in a previous episode how knowledge and religion, um, religion, how that harms and affects our lives negatively, but also how knowledge, focusing too much on knowledge. I believe in studying the Word of God. I went to Bible school for three years, so I'm not against studying the Word of God. I read. I'm an avid reader. My wife will tell you. I get a new book in the mail almost every single day. I have. I can't wait to have a massive library, books all over the place, my own study. I do have a room that I use with tons of books everywhere, but 
I just want to be surrounded by books. I love the smell of a book. I love reading and learning and basking in the presence of God while I am reading and learning of him. I love theology. I love studying. But more than anything, I love the presence of God. And my theology needs to promote a presence-based lifestyle instead of you know just constantly just living cerebrally in my head. And so just always trying to gain more knowledge so I could preach better or I could philosophize and, you know, preach an articulate message or whatever. And so this is important. We need to get under proper doctrine. You know, there are toxic doctrines out there that that can harm us and affect us and become more workspace and performance oriented. I'm going to read a scripture in Galatians 3 because we did talk about religion some, so I'm not going to dive too heavy into this, but I will bring it from a little bit of a different angle here. Galatians 3 verses 2 through 3 says this, this is the Apostle Paul, and he says, I would like to learn just one thing from you. He's talking about, he's talking to a church that started in the Spirit, believing the beautiful gospel of Jesus. And then there was people called the Judaizers, a sect of Jewish believers that would come in and would say, Yes, um, it's by grace through faith, but you also need to follow the law. You also need to be circumcised. You also need to do these different things to have a spiritual relationship with God, to be anointed, to work the power of God, to be saved and go to heaven. And so this is the apostle Paul. He said, did you receive the spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Are you so foolish? He says, after starting in the spirit, are you now finishing in the flesh? So he's trying to say, you received the spirit of God. You, you got saved and you received the spirit of God through faith, hearing with faith. And now you're going to try to perfect yourself by, by finishing in the flesh, by works of service, by trying to obey the law. Now you're trying to perfect yourself. You got saved by grace through faith, but now you're trying to perfect yourself by your own efforts and striving. Oh, and he say it's just, he, he just hammers it. If you read the book of Galatians, he says our faith's in vain. Pretty much. He goes on to say that if, if anyone else preaches a different gospel than the gospel I preach to you, that angel is demonic. He's saying that's not an angel sent from God. It is a doctrine of demons. He says, how who bewitched you? He says in this letter to the Galatians saying, you've been deceived. You have been bewitched. There's been a spell cast on your mind for you to think that you can be saved by grace through faith, but now you have to drum up your own willpower and self-effort to live a holy life and to work the miraculous. He goes on to talk about doing miracles by hearing and faith, not by works of righteousness and obeying the law. And so when we sit under bad doctrine or we get under teaching that is false, that promotes work-based theology where they don't have the right view of the law, that Jesus Christ fulfilled the law, and now the law of God is written on our hearts by the Holy Spirit, that our hearts are cleansed with the blood of Jesus and that it is finished, it is done. God fulfilled his covenant through Jesus Christ, and now it is not a covenant between God and man, it is a covenant between God and Jesus Christ, the God-man, and through Christ by grace, through faith, we are now in Christ in this perfect, unbroken covenant. We don't have that revelation when people are sitting under something different, trying to prove themselves to God. It produces a lot of things. It produces spiritual exhaustion, always trying to be right with God, always trying to please him, always trying to um, you know, get more spiritual, get more anointed, get more holy, always trying to just live righteous so you don't get sent to hell or something. And so it's this spiritual exhaustion. It's like this hamster wheel. It just never ends, never ends, never ends. You're just on this hamster wheel. It produces guilt, shame, condemnation, which drives us away from Jesus instead of to Jesus. 
Why? Because if you're not doing exactly what you need to do, if you're not fully doing whatever mandates or whatever laws are hanging above your head, if you're not fully lining up with what, first of all, if we could obey the law perfectly, why Jesus? If we can fully obey the scriptures and walk and be obedient to God and fulfill the commandments and fulfill the law, why did Jesus come? Jesus suffered unnecessarily. Why shed his anointed sacred blood? Why have his body ripped to shreds and why have him beaten and have such a brutal death? Why the resurrection? If we can do it in our own power and abilities, if we can get anointed on our own, if we can get to heaven on our own, if we can climb our way into the glory of God, why have Jesus? Jesus tore the veil. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus, you know, the veil was torn from top to bottom, not bottom to, to top. That is significant because man could not Man, the bottom could not tear tear the veil and get to God, but God from top to bottom, God being top, had to tear the veil so that man could enter into the holy of holies, the glorious place of the weighty presence of God, so we could live from that place. And so this is this is huge. When it comes to the grace of God and and living in that teaching and realizing that Jesus paid the price. Jesus fulfilled the law. Jesus condemned sin in the flesh. Jesus raised us to life with himself and seated us with him in the heavenly places. That when we sit under teaching that is law driven and people don't have a revelation of the purpose of the law, the law is good. It served its purpose. It was a schoolmaster pointing us to the need of a savior, pointing us to Jesus Christ, showing us the severity of sin and how it destroys our lives. But we are in a new day. We are in a new covenant, a covenant in, the, in our Savior's blood, a covenant in his broken body. And because of that, we don't need to worry about God being mad at us, disappointed with us, holding our sins against us. And I could quote a trillion scriptures here, but that's not the purpose. But when we are living with guilt, shame, condemnation, under legalistic teaching, beating ourselves up, performance oriented, we do not want to draw near to him in first love fire, but we want to run away from him because we see him as an angry fire that wants to punish us and consume us. And so we struggle with feeling God has mad at us. He's disappointed with us. He's holding our sins against us. And when that happens, when we feel that way, you don't run to God. You avoid him. You don't draw close. Like if I knew a friend was mad at me because I owed him a bunch of money and the same, you know, the same thing. Like if I felt like I owed him a bunch of money, I didn't have the money. I couldn't get the money. And he was frustrated with me. Um, and I saw him in a public place. You better believe I'd be going out the exit door in the back, the exit door. I'd be like, all right, let me get out of here. I'd hide behind a few friends, walk out the back door like, oh boy, I don't want to bump into that guy. And that's how so many Christians are because we feel we owe him a debt of service. We feel like we owe him something that we cannot drum up and accomplish. We cannot get or do what he needs us to do to be right or acceptable in his eyes. And so we avoid him. We do not spend time with him. We do not go deep with him because we feel like punishment is 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 looming over our heads that his wrathful hand is going to clobber us and he's just waiting to to punish us he just loves punishment the bible says in the old testament that he is slow to anger he is quick to love and slow to anger we need to believe that about our god so instead of drawing near to the comforter and receiving comfort in full we now chase false comforts of sin to soothe us when they never truly can you know, false comforts, maybe old friends, okay? Old, old, you know, uh, pet sins that want, used to comfort us, but not truly, not, they wouldn't truly fulfill us. But we go back to those things. Oh yeah, food, shopping, pornography, drugs, drinking, whatever our propensity has been 
in the past and all of us have different propensities and food's not bad shopping isn't bad having a beer or two isn't bad in and of itself some things are always bad drugs pornography things like that but food shopping that stuff's not bad but instead of running to jesus we run to food instead of running to the comforter our counselor our advocate the one that we're supposed to run to because he is the one that completes us nothing in this world can complete us only jesus can so if we run to other things except him we're going to be empty we're going to be unfulfilled and we will not get the 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 satisfaction that our heart is craving i'm going to read second corinthians 1 3 to 5 second corinthians 1 3 to 5. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. We have a God of all comfort who comforts us in our afflictions. He is a good God. He is a God and a father of mercy, of mercy. The blood of Jesus, the blood of Abel cried vengeance. The blood of Jesus cries mercy. Father sent him because of his great love for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. We all know John three sixteen that we have life and that we would not perish. And so we need to believe that about our God. That he's a God that is not wanting to just beat us up or condemn us or punish us or inflict his wrath on us because we're not performing perfectly. But he is a God who realized we cannot perform perfectly. So he sent us his son who walked perfectly as a human being, fully God, fully man, fulfilled what we could not, lived a life we could not live and died the death that we deserved and rose us up with him in full victory, giving us a clean slate, forgiving us of all of our sin, past, present, and future. The gospel is not one of condemnation. It is one of forgiveness and freedom, eradicating condemnation. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8 one. And so I'm going to read just a scripture just because I love it so much. It's Romans 4, 6 through 8. This is Paul. And David speaks likewise of the blessedness of the man to whom God credits righteousness apart from works. Amen. Blessed are those whose lawless acts are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will never count against him. Do you hear that? You are blessed because the Lord will never count your sins against you. You are forgiven. You are, you have a righteousness credit to you apart from your works. Before I end this today as well, I want to highlight one more thing that I feel is vital. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm Trinitarian in thought in terms of my revelation of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is a beautiful relationship. They're all equal. There is no hierarchy in the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. It is mutual love, self-giving love. They want relationship. That's why they created humanity. And there is always a man in the center of the Trinity. His name is Jesus Christ, the God-man with a glorified body. And we are in him. He welcomed humanity, all those who believe, into his life. We are now in Christ. And we share in that fellowship between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and there's so many doctrines, there's so many people that grew up thinking that Heavenly Father's the bad guy, he's bad cop, but Jesus is the good cop, he's the good guy, he loves us, he saved us from God, he saved us from a wrathful father. There's a doctrine, penal substitution, that God just had to punish somebody, had to pour his wrath on somebody, so he poured his wrath on his son, and now he has no more wrath. I really don't feel like that lines up to scripture, I don't feel like that holds up to scripture, you know? Um, our Heavenly Father is not the bad guy and Jesus the good guy, they are of the same same substance, the same essence, 
Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are love. Not just Jesus, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are love. There is not a vengeful, vindictive God in the sky who wants to destroy humanity, but Jesus came, stepped in, and God got to beat up Jesus, so now God's in a good mood. So Jesus stepped in to take all that wrath. Jesus is our Savior. You know, we have a great revelation of Jesus, that Jesus is love, but we still have a hard time coming to grips with the Father. Jesus even said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I manifest the goodness of the Father. I don't say anything or do anything without the Father initiating it, saying it, and doing it through me. And so the Father and the Holy Spirit and Jesus are the same. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He is just like Jesus. And on the cross, Jesus was not changing God. He was not changing God to love us or not be mad at us anymore because all of his wrath was poured out on Jesus. No, instead, God was, Jesus was not changing God. Jesus was changing us on that cross. We needed salvation. We needed changing. He's the God that never changed. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is immutable. He will never change, and he doesn't change. He is who he is, and he has always been the way that he is. He is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Our love, they are God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they are love. Jesus was not changing the Father on the cross. He was changing us. The cross was for us. The cross was not for God. Jesus was receiving our sin in his servant body and crucifying it to death. And he received the penalty of sin and he took our penalty and our punishment in full. Our father is not a cruel taskmaster in the sky waiting to punish us for our failures and shortcomings. He is love. He is full of joy. He's full of peace. He is a God of mercy. He's a father of mercies. He wants to woo us to his son so that we could receive all the grace we need in times of trouble. So I just want to end with that because we fall from first love when we have bad doctrine teach to us where we begin to view the father as the one that is angry, the one that is full of wrath, the one that wants to punish, but Jesus as the good guy that stepped in and said, no, father, don't kill everybody. I will die in their place. And so now God's in a good mood. Like he changed from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That is heresy. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the same. We need a proper and powerful revelation of our Heavenly Father so that we may connect well with Jesus. Know the Father. Know the Spirit of God. He is not a grumpy old man in heaven. This is That is far from the truth. Well, he is a good dad. He is a father. He is Abba. Our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. Is, is an intimate way of saying father, daddy in Hebrew. And we need to know that he is a good God, a God of love. And then we will always burn. We will always be overwhelmed with the love of God. We'll be able to tangibly feel his love, his emotions, his pleasure over us when we let go of these false mentalities that hinder us from truly having an intimate relationship with him. And so thank you guys so much for tuning in. There will be more episodes in the future. We're about to start getting into, I think we have another couple hindrances or one hindrance that I'm going to go into. And then we're going to be diving into how we could return to our first love. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast so we can get it out to more people so they can be encouraged, blessed, awakened by the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Bless you guys. And I'll speak to you next time on Awakened Podcast. 
Hello, let me tell you about this amazing online store, The Hope Filled Journey. You'll definitely want to check it out today. Michelle and Renee Torres, they started up this online store in obedience to the Holy Spirit in the midst of a crazy year, like we all know. Uh, full-time jobs, raising four children, and they stepped out in faith, and God is honoring them every step of the way. You go to www.thehopevilledjourney.com. It's where you'll find extraordinary products, clothes, fashion accessories, jewelry, and more. Their goal is to inspire faith through their product line as well as high quality and all they do and produce, which we know is very, very important. Um, check it out today, thehopefilledjourney.com, and you'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more. And you'll also get $20 off of your purchase if you spend $100 or more with promo code AWAKEN. So go to www.thehopefilledjourney.com. You'll get $10 off when you spend $50 or more, and you'll get $20 off if with with a purchase of a hundred dollars or more with promo code awaken i highly recommend it it's an incredible store so make sure to go to the hopefilledjourney.com today